You're locked in to DJ and PK. Lock. Presented by Mark Miller Subaru on 97.5-1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. Lock. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. It's time to welcome in Riley Jensen, our college football insider. Riley, good morning. What's up, you sorry dudes? Well, putting a wrap on the BYU season, that was an exclamation point. They just blew UCF off the field. That hadn't happened in the last four years. Uh, they hadn't lost a game like that since you got to go back to the 2016 season. They, they got blown out a few times there, but they just destroyed that team. Yeah, I thought I thought it was very fun to watch. You know, I always tease Alema Harrington because, you know, back in the day they didn't win that many bowl games. I'm like, did you guys even care about bowl games? Did you just care about going, you know, to SeaWorld, you know, when you're at the holiday play? You know, I tease him all the time, and, he, you know, he gets really mad. He's like, no, no, but – the, the truth is, the thing that was fun for me to watch with this bowl game is that these guys, you know, they took every single week serious. They had they had an unbelievable ability to just, like, refocus every week. You, they never really knew who they were going to play. I mean, I think, if we were, I think if we were to rewind the tape, I mean, didn't they only have two games left on their schedule that they originally had? And then they just filled everything in. They were motivated to play. Now I do think this. I think I think Kalani did a great job of motivating these guys. But I think when you get a few good wins, and you know after that Boise State win, I knew that they were going to roll for a while because not only was it a good team, but they were feeling confident. And so, look, this team has been fun to watch all year. For me personally, there's a lot of guys on that team that I know personally um, from from different things. So it was it was fun to root for those guys. I mean. When, when, when you know guys on the team, when you feel like you know them, when they're from your neighborhood, when they're from your state, it, it's fun to pull for a team like that. You talk about their confidence, and it was obvious. It was plain to see. How do you develop and get to the point to have that confidence? Well, I think, I, I think there's uh, – when, when you talk about confidence, I mean, the, the three enemies of confidence are – are perfectionism, right, um, comparison, and unrealistic, unrealistic expectations. But when you talk about the three things that build confidence, you're talking about being authentic or being being autonomous, meaning it's your choice to be there, like you really want to be there. Number two is competence, meaning you have some history of doing really, really well. And then the, the, the third one is what we call social support or, or a great team around you. And that doesn't necessarily mean like, you know, like your teammates are great, but do you have people that aren't afraid to hold a mirror up to you and tell you like, hey, here's where your warts are, here's where you're doing well, here's where you're not doing well. And that builds confidence. And these guys, I think they put, when I talk about that confidence piece, I mean, clearly they put, they put a lot of work into the weight room. They put a lot of work. I mean, when you watch the intricacies of the passes with Zach Wilson and Dax Milne and Gunnar Romney and some of these guys, I mean, they, they threw a lot over the summer. There's, there's just no question that they did a lot together to, to build some of that chemistry. And so when you do that, whether it's in the weight room, whether it's working on your skills, whatever it is, when it gets to a tough point in the game, your mindset is like, I don't even care what's going on because I know for a fact those guys across from the ball for me, they did not work as hard as I did. And it can really, it can really build and establish a lot of confidence um, in yourself in, in tough situations. And I, I think this is a, a team that was an older, more mature team, and I don't mean that in the way that like the national media means. I, I just mean that they had older leadership guys – I mean, Isaiah Kafusi, I don't know if you guys have met him, but he's, he's one of the most mature individuals I've, I've ever met, one of the most well-polished people that I've ever met. He's one of their captains, and I, th- I think that happens. You know, I, I, I don't think that happens by accident, and I don't think that this team was able to refocus every week um, unless they had great leadership like Isaiah Kafusi and some of these guys that are on this team. 
How does a quarterback take the leap? And lots of quarterbacks want to take it where you're the starter and you're basically throwing, you know, two touchdowns for every uh, pick you throw, which is what Zach Wilson did, you know, his first two years. How do you make the leap so that you're throwing 33 touchdown passes and three picks and running for 10 more scores, which is what Zach Wilson did this year? Because some quarterbacks make that leap, but most don't. Well, first of all, I mean, I, I always thought Zach had um, this ability, right? I think when, when you're worried about his touchdown-to-interception ratio, um, there's a lot of things that go into that. I, I think one of the things that Zach will be able to tell you in the future when he gains a little bit more perspective, right now you feel like, man, I really put the work in and I really, I really did some good things, but he's going to realize – that there was a lot of good players around him and a lot of good people around him that led to this kind of a season. I mean, his offensive line was much improved. The running game with Algier and Lopini Katoa was much better. The receivers, I mean, I don't think the receiving crew at BYU gets enough credit for how well they played this year. And I, listen, I've known Dax Milne since he was like in seventh grade. He looked like he was a fourth grader at our camp trying to compete against guys. And he was just so tiny and so focused on playing. But he was making those catches that you're seeing on TV and making those unbelievable catches in traffic at the age of like 13 at a football camp. And I think I think all of us, when we were watching him, I don't know if we knew that he was going to be what he is now. But, I mean, we're like, dude, this kid has some hit factor. I mean, he's a, he was tiny. He, he, he just went out there and competed all the time. Now – did I think he was going to go to BYU and be a Bolitnikoff, like, you know, finalist and, and probably an NFL draftee? I don't know. I don't even know that BYU knew that. They offered him a walk-on, not a scholarship, right? So these guys, I mean, this, this has been really fun to watch. And it's, it's a fun season. I think, it's, I think Kalani is a good guy. I think he's a fantastic person. I mean, I think they deserve some of this. You know, and, and, and I think this is something that they can build on. I think we have to be careful on how much momentum this gives you going into the future because I've seen a lot of really good teams. I mean, you can, you can, you can go to my alma mater, you know, where they're 11-2 and two, two years ago, and, and it doesn't feel like we're even close to there. Now, I'm not trying to compare BYU and Utah State, but you have to be careful about what a really good season means to your team um, like BYU. What did you think of that Blake Anderson hire then for the Aggies? You know what I I I, I like it. I I think I like it more. Than, <coughs> excuse me. Now that I've seen some of his quotes and some of the things that are going on, I, look. You and I think you know DJ and I. We've talked about this offline, but it's it's it, it feels like a big fall for Utah State right now, but. The, the comfort and the protection of being in a conference right now and and having the ability to recruit good players and pay good coaches and be in a conference where, you know, I mean, you see teams slide. You see just a few years ago, Fresno State was really down. Now they're back up. I mean, with the exception of Boise State, almost every team in the Mountain West will have like a really high year and then they'll slide back and then a really high year. I mean, if you look at San Jose State, and they were, you know, there were there was I think about five six years ago they were good, and then they slid really hard, and now they're back up to the top. So it's it's just interesting when you're a, when you're a G five school, there's going to be I think higher ebbs and flows as far as like what's good, what's not good, and all those sorts of things. So the last the last eight Mountain West Conference champs. Two for San Diego State, two for Fresno State, one now for San Jose State, three for Boise State, but they've had an awesome run. Now, they have hired, what, five good coaches in a row without a miss? But the last, what, 15 years has been two guys. Maybe Chris Peterson wants back in. I would call him first, second, and third. But assuming he doesn't want back in, Harson goes to Auburn, do you think Boise State finally misses on a coaching hire? How far could they fall? And how much does that open it up for everybody else in that division? At least for the moment. I mean, the door may slam because they may make a great coaching hire. Well, I mean, 
are, I mean, as a San Diego State fan, aren't you just cheering for them to mess one up? I mean, come on. they got to mess one of these up, don't they? <laughs> hey, you I would, mean, come on. You would think it's been a pretty good 20-year run going on 25. I, dude, I was, I was looking through their possible candidates. You got Kate. You got, you got Kellen Moore, right? You got Dan Hawkins back in the picture. You got Dirk Cutter back in the picture. You got, obviously, Chris Peterson back in the picture. Now, I don't know that it always works when you hire back, you know, somebody that was a head coach there. But, man, I, it would be hard for me to imagine that Kellen Moore wouldn't be successful at Boise State. Um, and, and it's just, you know, some, some of these things are just – Really interesting, but man, I'm cheering for Boise State to freaking fall down on, on a higher right now. But it'll be it'll be interesting to see what happens. What do you think of the Utes now just tapping into the transfer portal to get all these quarterbacks? Well, clearly, there's a message being sent that they don't like the depth in the room. <laughs> I mean, I, I guess. Bentley's already in the portal, ready ready to go to his you know third school in two years. But um, I think it's I think the whole transfer portal thing has already been interesting. But now with the advent of the fact that it's a free transfer for a year, I mean I I don't think coaches and players and everybody realize the ramifications of all this free flow of transfer. Now this is going to be. This is really going to be messy for a while, and I don't see it helping anyone except for the P5 schools. I mean, you look at Utah right now. They pick up two quarterbacks. They can, they'll probably pick up a couple of guys that are linebackers or DBs that they like from the transfer portal. You know, they can come in for a year, and they can really make it so you don't drop off as far. But when you look at the, the damage that it can do, I, I think this hurts G5 schools. Like, so – whether Utah State's good or whether they're bad, right? So let's let's just take let's just take Utah State from eleven and two two years ago, and you're talking about really good football players. You're talking about their linebacker, their middle linebacker. You're talking about the quarterback. You're talking about lots of guys that are all conference. Do some of these P five schools come and and start snipping off some of these guys that were really really good players in the G five because there's one free transfer? I mean that would be that would be really really hard for G5s to compete with. You know, it's almost like you could be good but not too good. And does it start changing the way that you promote your players? And does it start changing the way that you do things? And then you want to talk about difficulties just here in the state. So now you recruit at let's just say at Utah State or at Weber State, you recruit a kid. He's really tracks from from either BYU or Utah. The kid goes on an LDS mission. He's hanging out with a mission president. He's hanging out with all of his buddies <laughs> on his mission that all went to BYU. Just They're like, say it. We know who you're you talking should, about. You transfer, dude. <laughs> we know who you're talking yeah, about. Just I know. say it's it. Called the, it's, called the Riley, it's called the Riley Nelson rule. There right? it is. Like, I'm just saying. But, but now there's no penalty to a guy. You know what I mean? Like... I, how many times do you have to recruit a player to be at your school? Constantly. You know, and I, I think, I, I think it's, I think that's going to be a harder thing on coaches than they anticipated with this open transfer rule. Like, how do you, how do you enforce discipline if a guy's just going to go, well, screw you, I'm out of here. I could have gone to four different schools besides here. You know, how do you, how do you keep your team disciplined? How do you keep them focused? You keep them. I, mean, bond- I think this transfer. You keep Sorry. them, you keep I, them bonded I, I, to each other. Don't you keep them bonded to each other? That's It's a loyalty to each other. And the guy who's just in it for himself maybe isn't a guy you wanted in the first place. Yeah, I, I think that's easy to say. I think that's easier to I think that's easier to say than actually to implement. You know what I mean? Like, I, there's there's a lot of mini fractures in a lot of teams. Now, winning, winning hides a lot of those warts, but there's a lot of mini fractures, even in a team that's eight and four. You know, so I just think this is going to be harder than they think. I, I think they, I think they're all looking at it as an opportunity to like get better every year. But I think, I think there's going to be some things that are difficult about all this. So you're responsible for this dark kid for Corner Canyon not going to BYU or Utah because he thanked you by name 
at his press conference <laughs> that was broadcast on ESPN, and you purposely steered him away, and I blame you that he didn't go to ASU. So right now, everybody hates you. I did not. I did not do any steering with Jackson Dart. <laughs> I can't believe that he thanked me. I cannot believe that he thanked me. That was like over the top, humble and kind of him. Obviously, I've worked with him a lot, um, both in the mental game and as quarterback coach. But I mean, he's he's earned every single thing that he's that he's earned. Uh, I, I mean, he's earned every single accolade that he's received. And he's just a really good player. I mean, if I, if there's one compliment that I can give him is the, the kid's not afraid to compete. And then talent-wise, and I, I think I've said this before on your show, but Jackson Dart has the quickest release I've ever seen in the state of Utah. From the time his back foot hits the ground to the time the ball comes out of his hand is so fast. I mean, look, you, you can't compare him to Dan Marino yet. But it's it's up there on on getting that ball out of his hand, and it's it's pretty impressive what he can do. He's worked hard. He deserves good things. I think he was very interested in a lot of local programs, at least from what I could could um, deduce from our conversations. But you know, UCLA, USC, Arizona State—they did a really really good job of recruiting him. Yeah, you broke my heart. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so with everything going on with quarterbacks and with all the transferring and all that, I'm curious what you think of the local quarterback scene. Um, you know, Frank Dolce and I have gone around and around until I'm not even sure which was our original position and what we've talked ourselves into. But you need a good quarterback. It would be great if you had the best quarterback in the country. But if your defense is really good, like at Utah, and your running game's really good – you need a guy who's accurate and doesn't turn the ball over and who can benefit from some good play-action situations. Could you bring in one year, you bring in your four-star guy and whatever you tell him, we are going to recruit another guy, but he's a local guy and he's a project. He's not, if you're worried about him, you're not the right guy for us. And then you bring in a two- or three-star guy here and you coach him up over time and you have him in the system. Could that benefit a school are there guys like that playing high school football who you could project you know three years down the line would there be someone not everyone it wouldn't be for everyone some you know some guys want to play right away but isn't there somebody out there who's got that level of town who wants to go to an in-state school and live the dream because he was eight years old yeah. wearing a jersey and fell in love with the so, school so i listened to this interview randomly when you guys were talking to frank about this and i was like kind of yelling at the radio and talking about it. I think, I think these are great ideas. I think these are great thoughts about what's going on. I think Utah has tried to do this, and I think they've tried to do it with a walk-on. I think they've tried to do it with a scholarship. I think they've tried to do this. But it's, it's really hard, especially at the quarterback position, to find a guy that's just loyal to you no matter what about going to the University of Utah. Now, I can give you a perfect example of somebody that that would be like the quarterback that's competing for a starting job up at Weber State right now, Bronson Barron from American Fork High School. Huge arm. Yeah, he, he has the frame. He's big enough to play Division One. Like he's the type of guy that you that you could try and do that with. And I'm and I don't know for sure. I don't I don't know the details of uh, Bronson's recruiting, but. They're also not stupid. Mm-hmm. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, I do. They they also they know what's going on. Like when they when they hear that going on and the, and they're talking and they're doing those kind of things. I mean, Bronson's smart enough to know like, okay, you're just bringing in an arm, and and if I develop, great. But there's not really a shot for me to play. And so he goes to a place like Weber State where he can play. And you know, I don't know if he plays this year or not, but. The way things we the way things are going at Weber State right now, they have a chance to play for a national championship. And he might get everything he wanted out of that anyway, and start earlier and play earlier. Well, Did I lose you. No, we'll leave it right there. We're po- <laughs> we're pondering, which isn't great radio, but we're pondering. Um, are there I any? Think, I just think. I think Utah has tried to do that in their own way. I don't right. think that this is a novel idea, and I, and I just don't think that it works. There's, 
there's more ego even in a local Utah quarterback than you know than you would think. There's well, more ego there. Yeah, I would say that this just gets brought back to the forefront because of what we saw Drew Lisk do. And in a quote-unquote normal season, you know, game five, he could have been the guy for, you know, half of his senior season, right? Um, right? So I get your point. It's a risk for the kid not playing. But with all the turmoil to be the guy who's been there for two years, I mean, Cameron Rising has been here, let's see, sat as a red shirt. He's injured his second year, but you gotta handicap him as the guy who's, you know, probably gonna be the starter next fall. Maybe not, maybe the kid transferring in from Baylor will win the job, but you look at some of his stats and sixty two percent can drive Kyle nuts and the two to one touchdown interception can drive Kyle nuts. I wouldn't be surprised if Cam Rising's the, the starter again. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised either. I mean it's always nice to have depth. If these guys want to come, you're not going to turn them down. Competition is a great thing for quarterbacks, especially when you have a defensive coach that thinks all us quarterbacks are prima donnas anyway. I mean, make them work for it. Make them, you know, make them, make them earn their spot. Don't give them anything. Make them earn their spot just like everybody else on the team. And I, I think it fits exactly what the University of Utah does. I mean, they win nine, ten games without a premier quarterback anyway. So, uh, I mean, I I don't think there's any way to spin it. The University of Utah is trying to fix their quarterback position, and I think they've done everything that they can. Eventually they'll break through and they'll get a big-time quarterback and they'll win the conference, and I think that'll change the quarterback position and the quarterback position trajectory for Utah. But until then, they're just going to win with great defense and with the running game and with good special teams. And there's nothing wrong with that. There is not one thing that's wrong with that. Okay, I look forward to the year 2050. <laughs> <laughs> I, hey, if we're both here then, let's go, let's, let's, let's go to the Utah game together and celebrate that quarterback. Well, Pete. Okay, you, you wheel me in. <laughs> <laughs> I will. I'm not afraid. I know you'll still be angry, an angry old codger. I mean, that started at like 40 for you. So when I wheel you in, just make sure you're dropping lots of curse words on everybody when we're walking in because that'll be fun for me. Hell yes. Hell yes. <laughs> I can't. Dude, that's actually kind of a fun visual to me. Wheeling you into a football stadium at like 85, 86 years old. Uh, oh man, that one, that one seriously, like, that makes me happy. That makes me happy. Let's do it. <laughs> All right. Okay. okay, I don't want to get into it now because it's not my story, but next time Craig Bowlerjack is on, he just told me a story. I've known Bowler forever, and I don't know why he sat on this story, but he just told me this story off the air, and I'm like, Bowler, when you're on, we, you are telling this story. It's not about wheeling a guy in the game. It's about wheeling somebody out. And when you hear this, Riley, and you know who it, you, I know you know who it is. And when you hear this story, it's so outrageous. You're going to laugh just like that. It's a hilarious story. Good. So talk to Bowler about it so we can talk about it the next time. Okay, we'll do it. We'll get Bowler on next week. Right. Uh, it's, it's kind of weird because we're, he's usually on on Thursdays, and we're off on Thursdays with Christmas Eve and New Year's Eve. But we're going to get him in a non-traditional spot, talk jazz with him, and get this, uh, get this football story out of him because it's a classic. All right, thanks, thanks, Riley. You guys are the best. Take care. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. We are brought to you in part by Zero Res. A clean home is a festive home, and Zero Res has a deal for you. $33 per room for carpet cleaning. Schedule at least three rooms, and you get an extra room clean for free. Schedule with Zero Res today. Call them at 801-288-9376. DJ and PK, everything you missed in this show, next. Big Show. It's a big deal! With Gordon Monson and Jake Scott. The television voice of the Utah Jazz, our good friend Craig Bowlerjack. What I saw in the preseason was a faster pace, quicker shots in the shot clock, and the multitude of threes that were put up. Insane numbers. Last year, the Jazz attempted 35 three-point shots a game. We saw them in the 40s and 50s in the preseason. I don't know if those stay at that level, but I know the green light's on. And look, this team wants to be a better defensive team. They want to be a grittier, meaner defense. And so you bring that with a faster-paced offense, I'm intrigued to see where we're going. And as we know, too, the Western Conference is a buzzsaw. Watch out. The Big Show, weekdays from 2 to 7 on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. 
So if you haven't already started, you're probably about to. What am I speaking about? Eating a bunch, right? Holiday season, the next week or so, it's what we do. Then you got to start thinking about getting yourself in shape. How about you start now a simple and easy way? Really, it's time to trim down and get yourself healthy and finally lose that fat. Did you know it only takes 40 days to lose 20 to 40 plus pounds with NJ Diet? NJ Diet, yeah, revolutionary. NJ Diet's contractually guaranteed money-back program starts with bioenergetically personalized supplements based on your hair and your saliva and your blood work. And NJ Diet doesn't stop there. It then uses DNA testing to create your ideal diet plan and workout regimen with the purpose and goal to help you keep the weight off for the rest of your life. You don't have to worry about doing it alone, not at all. NJ Diet will be with you every step of the way. You are fully monitored by their certified staff to make sure you are burning fat and not just losing water. And how about this? You'll also have access to the doctor's personal email and phone number. NJ Diet really is committed to you keeping that weight off. It's all natural, so you don't have to worry about shots, no hormones, no surgeries. NJ Diet. Also offer live online video consultations. And they got a location now open in Salt Lake City at the Sugar House Center. You want to lose 20 to 40 plus pounds in only 40 days and have it contractually guaranteed? Yeah, sounds like a great deal. Here's what you do. You visit their website, which is njdiet.com, njdiet.com, or you can call the phone number for NJ Diet. is simple, 855 855- Five NJ Diet. Easy to remember. Eight five 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 NJ Diet. Have you been told you need to replace your sewer main line? What's up, everybody? I'm Mike Wilson with Any Hour Services, and I can understand why you didn't do it right then. You probably had sticker shock and didn't. Our slightly less ambitious listeners, this segment is for you. These are your 9 o'clock Where the Heck Have You Been Slacker Headlines. Wake up! With DJ and PK on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network.
DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. What have you missed in today's show? Well, we've been talking a little jazz, a lot of BYU, some college football around that. The Jazz are opening up tonight against the Portland Trailblazers, two teams that ought to be fighting for a top four spot in the West, home, home court. Hey, we could be back to home court in the playoffs. Maybe we'll even be back to home fans in the playoffs. Who knows? Uh, but these two teams ought to be uh, battling for the higher spots. And you said earlier, these two teams are both dreaming about being the two seed. I think the Lakers are the overwhelming favorite for the one seed. And until they're dethroned, they are the favorite for the one seed. As long as LeBron is healthy, they're it. But Clippers, Blazers, Jazz, Nuggets are all thinking, well, after them, why not us? Yeah, it seems like the only folks who are thinking about the Jazz belong and reside in Utah. Utah. <laughs> Getting picked fifth and sixth, which I kind of get. You look over the last four years, and they've been a five seed, a five seed, a five seed, and a six seed. So that's where people are plugging them in again. Okay, the six seed was somewhat of an anomaly. I agree. They were positioning and yep. all that stuff. Uh, but to put the Suns over them as a, as a Phoenix native, I'm ecstatic, man. I'm resurrecting my son's gear. <laughs> <laughs> I don't see that at all, man. That seems so far-fetched uh, that they would be picked sixth or seventh. That seems low, but I, I bring bias to it. And to, to say I don't is ridiculous. I see these guys. I mean, I, I listen to all their Zoom interviews. I listen to Ingles, and I listened to uh, Conley yesterday. I normally don't ask questions because I'm, I'm not working on anything like uh, the newspaper people are or other media, So and they only have them available for a short amount of time. Yep. So for you jazz PR folks, I'm listening, but I don't want to take up space for people who need it uh, more uh, importantly than I do. But I listen, and I listen to everything that they do, and so I feel a sense of attachment, even though I don't really have any personal attachment to any of these dudes. I don't think I've had a personal conversation with one player outside of Joe uh, on this team right now. Uh, maybe favors back in the day at some point, but other than that, and Gobert when he was younger, but everybody else is brand new, or not brand new, but they're newer compared to those three, obviously. So even though I don't have that much of a personal attachment, I feel like I see them, and I think they're good, so I don't see as much as Portland, uh, Portland as I do the Jazz, so I inflate them now. Maybe I don't inflate them, or maybe I overinflate them, or I underinflate them. The great thing about it is they got 72 games, and then the postseason shows exactly where they belong, and they're going to belong where they belong. Because I don't think that, particularly in the NBA, when you're playing as many games of all the sports, I, I think the NBA is the least flukeless, which you've never heard that being <laughs> said before. But when you think about it, baseball, you put a bat in somebody's hand. And he can do something that we didn't expect. And pitching matters so much. And somebody comes up and you, you can get jammed and bloop it in. The Diamondbacks won a World Series on a bloop. You know what I mean? Well, it doesn't seem like you know, unless you had some no-name dude banking in a bunch of threes, it seems like basketball and football, obviously, with a one-game deal and the way the ball bounces, almost anything can happen from time to time. But in basketball – it seems like it's the purest where there's really, when we get to the end, there's no fluke involved. Very rarely. And the seven-game series is a, is a big part of that. You know, when you got to win a seven-game series, uh, you really got to be able to grind it out. But yeah. you had all these teams with expectations, and it's the West, and it's really deep, so good luck with that. But it starts tonight. Two-game swing, PK. It's a two-game swing. <laughs> Well, you want the tiebreaker on Portland, don't you? Absolutely. <laughs> and if you win, you go a full game up on the Lakers. Sweet. Got to keep pace with the Clippers. So we got the uh, Jazz. We have talked a lot of uh, football. Boise State, Brian Harson's going to Auburn. Now what? What do the Broncos do? This directly impacts BYU and Utah State. They're both playing them every single year. They hit on five straight coaching hires. Houston Nutt, that was a win. Dirk Cutter, that was a win. Hawkins, that was a win. Peterson was just off the charts. And it's still, it's still been a good run under Harson. It was not as dominant as they were under, under Peterson, but still a really good run. Well, yeah, of course they weren't as dominant because they played in the Mountain West, which Instead was way better than the WAC. I yep. mean, let's call it like it is. 
Those are just the absolute facts. And we have no idea who's it going to impact. Obviously, on the field, those ball clubs play each other every season. But as far as coaching goes, remember that the Chicago Bulls ended up affecting Utah State when you do the chain of the dominoes that came all the way down when they brought in Tim Floyd and Eustace went where Floyd was, blah, blah, blah. So you never know where it's going to end up. And this is the season now. It's been delayed a couple of weeks, but Harson was a bombshell. There's no question about that, man. It seemed like that was out of left field. Very, very intriguing hire. Uh, Arizona hiring this Jed Fish uh, quarterbacks coach for the Patriots. Did not play high school football, played tennis, of all things, in East Hanover, New Jersey. Uh, where my, well, actually, that's the first house that I lived in was East, East Hanover before we moved. Uh, where my, my sister, my older sister, went to East Hanover High School. And so this fish kid, I, guy, he's a 44-year-old guy now. I've been looking at stuff. Oh, my gosh, man. It is Herm Edwards Part 2 in terms of the Wildcats getting ripped. Uh, now, I'm going to reserve judgment because that's been my consistent form. Racism is also being involved. How Fish has got zero experience playing ball. Antonio Pierce, who played ball at Arizona 10 years, what, in the NFL? A coach at Long Beach Poly, which is, has been a powerhouse for years. It was a power when I was there. It's a power today. And already to talk about, well, if uh, Pierce were white, he would have gotten that job. Meanwhile, the folks in Tempe are ecstatic because Herm has credited Pierce with getting guys into the program. And as Kyle Whittingham has drilled into our head a trillion times, it's all about the players. You can have the best coaches, but if you don't have the players, you're screwed. And Pierce was responsible for getting good guys into ASU and all that stuff. So they're ecstatic. Meanwhile, U of A alumni – I told you, remember, they had that Zoom call Mm -hmm. with uh, the AD and a bunch of former players, like 300 of them or something, and he was telling them that they'll be involved, it'll be one of their own, blah, 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 according to reports, and then they hired this outsider. So they're up in arms. You can go search that out on Twitter if you're interested because I've been looking at it during the breaks, and it has been a ton of stuff. Now, who's to say he doesn't turn out to be some wonder kid who just succeeds beyond our wildest imaginations? I have no clue. That's the great thing about all this stuff is that we'll find out. you got to give the guy time because this project that he's undertaking is as massive as anybody that I can recall in the Pac-12, maybe going back to when Sarkeesian took over Washington. They were literally 0-12. Actually, ironically, the U of A has a 12-game losing streak as we speak. (laughs) How about that? So interesting stuff going on. We've been talking about the uh, BYU season, putting a wrap on that, 11-1, and and a lot of things in place to be good next year. Now, obviously, we are both expecting, as most people are, that they're going to need a new quarterback because Zach Wilson's going to go to the NFL. Uh, They threw another graphic up, and it's the same kind of graphic we've been seeing game after game. Oh, he's ranked third or fourth among the college uh, quarterback prospects for the draft, and so that's probably going to translate into a top-ten pick. So assuming he's out of here, what do they do at quarterback? But the rest of the positions, they had a lot of sophomores and juniors who were contributing, and who knows, they may end up with some super seniors. I think most of the seniors are going to be gone at most schools, but you keep a couple key ones and it can make a big difference. Uh, Speaking to guys uh, since the season is in, which obviously is not long a long time, but I have been uh, communicating back and forth with some guys. They're very excited about next season. They want to keep all their coaches, which is an impossible. I mean, it's not a definite by any stretch. Who knows what's going to happen? We've seen that, and it can be late in the ball game, really. So you'll have to see when we get to August, really, who's there, who isn't there. But they feel like they've got a the sort of like in the Ute category right now. They feel like they've got talent everywhere. They've got to have an answer at quarterback. My early guess, this is my early guess, based somewhat on conversation, so it's not completely just a stab in the dark. I'll tell you if it's a stab in the dark, I've got no problem. But a lot of times the stuff that I say, it's just I'm repeating uh, what has been said to me. My early guess is Hall is the starter game one, but eventually we see Conover. Well, I'm really curious who the second one is because when you start um, when you start projecting out across the course of a season, you very rarely stay with one, and more well, not more often than not, but quite often you even go three deep. I mean, the Utes only played five games, and they used three quarterbacks this year. And obviously, BYU used three quarterbacks last year. 
So I'm I'm absolutely everybody wants to know who the starter is going to be, but I, I'm intrigued with who the second guy is. Also, I think that matters a lot. Uh, depending on when they make a replacement. Now, hopefully Hall stays healthy. I want every kid, I don't care who it is, to stay healthy and see what he can do. Unfortunately for Hall, that has not been the case. But I can tell you, they love the kid. And he won the backup job last year when, uh, when he was healthier. So he was ahead of Romney, but then Romney came on and did great work, so they were excited about Romney. Uh, so I'm not ruling him out by any stretch either. There's plenty of time for this thing to be settled. When I'm saying this, it's based on literally not really the competition out on the field. It's sort of projecting. But don't rule out Romney if he decides to stay and compete for the job also. Next year, BYU is almost a member of the Pac-12 South. They were playing Arizona, Arizona State, Utah, and USC. Four of the six. And Washington State's their crossover game, PK. They got a five game Pac 12 schedule. And on top of that, they've got uh, Virginia and Baylor and Boise State and Utah State. It's, it's a good schedule. So they'll it need is, a good yeah. team to compete with that schedule. Um, Great. Yep. All right, DJ and PK, that's stuff we've been talking about today. We'll take a break and we will be back with your feedback next. Stay with us. And it's all over almost here. Don't go nowhere. Now let's get this party started. This is.
Winner comes to an end. It's time to hear from you. Is this live right now? From your calls, tweets, and open mics, this is the best feedback of the day. This is why we lost the game. Presented by Strong Audi. On 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. The best part about watching that BYU game on ESPN yesterday, they had the mics properly set so that we could hear the maniacal cheering of the BYU fans and the BYU bench. They were like insane. The Cougars will be home for Christmas with a trophy, it seems. But they still lost that game last night. If only in my dreams. Merry Christmas, you filthy animals. Dwight, Dwight and then Kay right there with the feedback. You can use your phone. Merry Christmas, you filthy animals. (laughs) Kay's very creative. That was good. Use your phone. Use the app. Use the open mic feature, and you too can send us audio. And uh, you don't have to scream at the radio, as Riley likes to say. Uh, you can hit us up there. We got a lot of people uh, tweeting at us. We got a lot of people hitting us up on Facebook as well. Twitter, David DJ James. Facebook, DJ and PK. Um, <laughs> John says the only thing left to say, the, the uh, question, what, what more can you say about the BYU football team? Thank you. That's the only thing left to say. John enjoyed himself some football this year. Oh, yeah. You know, I don't get how you don't feel happy for a guy like Kalani Sataki. The dude is so genuine and so open and warm to every single person he's ever met. I mean, it's amazing how you walk away, and we've all been there, feel like, wow, I'm really his friend. It's just who he is. You know, we've all known him for many, many years. I've had so many conversations with him i'm ecstatic for him absolutely and if that makes me a homer then i'm a homer goat goat roper at goat underscore rope i'm getting tired of people saying this after byu embarrasses good teams oh i guess they weren't as good as everyone thought texas wisconsin nebraska tennessee mississippi oklahoma boise state houston ucf wouldn't it be easier to just respect byu as really good Yeah, well, sometimes they are really good, and I think this is one of those years. And I've been saying this. This goes back. Now, I've been here for 27 years, but it goes back way before I got here, and I've done uh, talking to people and everything, and you hear, oh, that team was in a down year, and there's always an excuse. Uh, There's really no excuses. This was a quality football team this year. What's wrong with saying that? Yeah, I would think that it'd be, as I said, it'd be easier for you fans to drop back and say, that was a nice year. Now do it again and again. September 11th, man. Circle is it. next year the, the 20th, 20th anniversary of September 11th, it too? Is. <laughs> They're moving the Navy Air Force game to that day. I saw that. That's absolutely awesome, too, yeah. by the way. Uh, BYU's all-time record against Texas, Texas A&M, Michigan, Michigan State, Oklahoma, Wisconsin. Uh, I put Missouri in the mix because uh, they were on the schedule this year. Those are some pretty brand-name programs right there, and you've played a lot of games across a lot of years. And all-time BYU is 13-6 and six against those schools. Uh, you sort of cherry-picked that. But, I did. Uh, sure. I could throw in Ohio State, Penn State, and USC, and that would lower the winning percentage, but it would still be over 500. What are they against ASU? Seven and twenty. <laughs> I gotta say, if you just go BYU against Pac-12 schools, the winning percentage is not nearly as good. Right. And they've got to play five Pac-12 schools next year, so they got four in the South and Washington State in the North. So, I don't wish time away, but I am eagerly anticipating the 2021 season, as I always would be when the prior season is over, but especially after this debacle of a Pac-12 season. And, man, that is – if I'm asking for Santa, give me a, something, I want a normal college football season next year. Throwing coaching changes, the transfer window, and two classes we really haven't got to see much of because it'll be freshmen and sophomores and bound to be some, some breakout kids. Well, I guess it'll be freshmen and freshmen, though, really, won't they? Uh, and with there bound to be some breakout players in there that we don't know about, that would be the most unpredictable Pac-12 ever. Good. I like it. Yeah. 
All right, we're out of time. Scotty and Hands are up next. We are off the next two days. Merry Christmas. We will see you back on Talking Sports Sunday night, the 27th, and back here Monday morning from 6 to 10 on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. All right, that's a wrap. Thanks, guys. We'll see you all tomorrow. We'll talk tomorrow. We'll, say, we'll talk tomorrow. We're good. We're going to talk tomorrow. We're going we're gonna to do it, do it the right way tomorrow. So. Number one. The Zone Sports Network is Utah's number one choice for sports. Johnson and Jake Scott, the Zone continues to dominate the competition. Number one.